Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Ultimate Question Quest, Part 12, Episode 214. So this is one of those topics where I was just going to breeze through it. You could compare it to the way I like to describe astronomy. It's one of those sciences where in today's society, other than maybe the flat earthers, it seems pretty straightforward. There's a sun, there's planets, and we orbit the sun, and the planets spin, and that's kind of about it. <laughs> but then you begin to dig into it a little deeper, and you learn about things like the Oort cloud, or the Kuiper belt, or the ecliptic, and how some things were planets but aren't anymore, or how some planets spin on a different axis than others, and how our moon is unnaturally huge for a moon. And the things like the Berry Center, which throws other things like the fact that we orbit the sun and the sun is the center of the solar system into question, and so on and so forth. This is one of those topics. It definitely was one where I wrote down all of my notes and I was prepared to give this podcast and then I slept on it because I didn't feel right about it. And I'm really glad I did. I asked a bunch of questions of my family and and it came around to me realizing that I knew far too little, and I still know far too little, but I feel that I am prepared enough to at least share. So, enough about the build-up. Let's move on to the topic itself. This is a topic we've all heard of. The topic is morality, or morals specifically. So, let's start with what are morals? Well, let's give a couple of frameworks to this first. The first uh, framework for this is... The only creatures that exist, at least to our awareness, uh, mortal beings to be specific, that have morals are humans, at least in and as far as we can tell. Now, I realize that we can't read the minds of animals and insects and other creatures to say, do you have morals or not? But as far as we can tell, they live off of pure and undiluted instinct, sometimes more complex instinct from creature to creature, but instinct nonetheless. That doesn't make them good or bad, um, but morals, unique to humans. That also means they must be very important if they're unique to us. Now, do all humans have morals? The scriptures teach us that there must be an opposition in all things, which tells us that no, not all humans have morals. There will be some who are born or by some happenstance in this mortality have the lack of morals. Um won't dig into that. That's not really the premise of this, but it's important to recognize that that is the case. So what are morals? According to the dictionary, they basically are the way we distinguish between right and wrong. And I think that's a good sufficient definition for what we're talking about here. Now, some things I'll discuss throughout the rest of this podcast will be semantics. So bear with me, but let's use that as the basics of the definition. Now, right or wrong? Those seem like pretty simple, straightforward terms themselves, but I would argue that in today's society and in most of history, they have not been considered simple topics when you really begin to question them and try to figure out a common denominator amongst humans. So let's define them here. In very simple terms, I will define right as something that will eventually lead to eternal joy. Simple. Now, how we get there, that's a different story, but let's use that as the term for right. Wrong, I'm going to break into two definitions. These definitions really overlap, 
but for some uh, for explicitness and literalness, the first definition we're going to say is something that ultimately causes another person or yourself harm. And I use the term ultimately because, for example, let's say you have to go in for surgery and the surgeon's going to knock you out or the anesthesiologist or whomever. Sometimes those shots hurt and it's still for your betterment. So I'm going to say that, you know, that kind of pain and something similar to that, that doesn't meet the definition of wrong, ultimately causes harm. The second definition I'm going to put on there is it is something that is wrong might have temporary joy, but will ultimately preclude the individual from having eternal joy. And that is a very critical distinction here. So those are my two definitions I'm going to go with right or wrong. Now, let's talk about the origin of morals just briefly. Now, I'm going to have to cross into the world of religion here to discuss this because in the world of religion, specifically if we're talking about the Old Testament of the Bible, back in the days of Genesis, and we learn about Adam and Eve, they were in this garden. They call it the Garden of Eden, and this Eden was a paradise, and Adam and Eve were happy. Well, I'm going to say they weren't. They were neither happy nor sad they were kind of neutral for all intents and purposes. And they were told not to do something. And that was to take of the apple, the apple of from the tree of good and evil. And the adversary beguiled them, as the scripture says, and they did take of the apple or the fruit or whatever it was. And they gained the capacity to understand good from evil. Now, does this mean that this capacity is good or bad by its very nature. Well, one might think it's bad because it is a consequence from them doing something contrary to what they were asked to do. But the truth of the matter is, is if they were remained in the Garden of Eden and they were remained in stagnation with the, uh, the inability to progress, the inability to have children, so on and so forth. Now, this is a bunch of theology I'm throwing at you. It's another conversation for another time. I'm going to simply state these as fact and move on, and and we'll dig deeper into them later. The point I'm trying to make here is, as far as any origin story for morals can, can have, I'm going to say this one is as good as any, is that morals truly genuinely came from when Adam and Eve disobeyed a, a, a commandment and partook of the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and from there obtained morals, or at least the capacity to understand good from evil. All right, so what are the sources of morals? Not the origin story so much as the sources for our individual morals. Where do we obtain these morals for those of us who have them? Which, again, as I stated earlier, is the vast majority of the human race. There is a lot of theories on this, and let's just briefly touch on each one of them because this is important for us understanding who and what we are. Uh, One of them is the nature versus nurture. I'll spend more time on the nurture side, but the nature is important as well. It's this idea that each of us are born with some degree of understanding of morals, some degree of understanding of what is right or wrong. Um, I'm definitely on the fence, or I'm definitely not on the fence. I agree with this particular one to the extent that we were all born with some basic idea of what is right or wrong. Uh, with the understanding that obviously it's going to evolve and change with the uh, the nurture side. So let's dive into that nurture. 
Nurture comes from a huge variety of things, one of which is our culture. Every single culture has a different emphasis on different things on what is right or what is wrong. Whether it's unspoken, whether it's in the law, um, whether you're going to get flogged for doing something. Um, I mean, we look at some of the scientists that said that the earth revolved around the sun and they were, it was blasphemy. Um, and, and people viewed that as wrong. That is definitely culture. Um, religion, if you want to call it that at the time, but I'm going to put it in the category of culture. Um, experiences is an excellent source for our morals. Uh, let's, let's put this in the category of a person in a car and they have a habit of speeding. And let's say one day they're speeding and they get a terrible car accident. Well, you would hope that they would gain a moral understanding from a right or wrong standpoint that, Hey, speeding may not be a good idea because it could result in a very bad consequence like an accident. So they may establish a new moral principle that says speeding is bad. Um, So experiences definitely are an integral part of our morals. Laws. So a lot of cultures have have laws established either from the morals or vice versa. And in those cases, our morals often evolve from the laws around us. Religion is obviously a key part of morals. If we look back at the Old Testament and we talk about the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down, um, a lot of our morals are based off of that or something similar. Uh, This is the one that I find the most interesting. Our feelings and emotions are a foundation for our morals. Now, we obviously have feelings and emotions for a reason. Should they be the foundation for our morals, though? I would go so far as to say that a huge percentage of the human race uses their feelings and emotions as the basis for their, uh, for their morals. And I'm not going to say any one source is necessarily the right or wrong, but I do find this one kind of interesting. I'm going to compare our emotions to our taste buds. Our taste buds are very important to us because they help us choose what food we enjoy and what few food we distaste. But this is a very tricky thing because there could be foods out there that taste really good but are terrible for us. And I think our emotions can be very similar. There may be things that we desire because of our emotions that are really bad for us. So we have to be really careful with that one. In fact, I'm going to read a passage from the Book of Mormon. This is in 2 Nephi chapter 15, verse 20. Um, and this is where I think emotions can sometimes get the worst of us. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Hence the aforementioned taste buds. Not to say that emotions are, the, are, are a bad source, but we need to be careful and wise. So then let's follow up with the question. Is there a best source for our morality or morals? Ponder that, but I'm not going to answer it right now. All right, so what is the purpose of our morals? When do we use them? Why should we care? So there's a huge, huge array of times that we use morals. This is where we're going to cross into semantics a little bit because I'm going to say morals are in play in certain cases. You may disagree, and that is okay. Let's start with entertainment. Um, All of my life, I have lived under the rule that we do not watch movies that are rated R. Um, What does that mean? For those of you not in the United States, uh, movies have a rating scale on them so that it is kind of understood what type of content is in them. 
And uh, so my family and I have just said we're not watching rated R movies. That is a moral standard. Does that mean it's the right or wrong or the best? I'm not going to say one way or the other. But there are other people out there who say, well, if it's a movie, it's a movie. It's an entertainment. So we should be able to enjoy it um, regardless of the rating. Again, that's a moral standard. Some people may view it as the absence of morals, but I would disagree with that. It is just simply a different standard. Would that same individual who says, we're going to throw ratings out the window and not care, watch a movie where terrible atrocities are done on film in front of them? In some cases, perhaps the answer is still yes, because as we've all understood, there are some people without morals. But I would say the vast majority of the people would still have that line drawn somewhere. Um, next, art. Oh, this is my favorite one. We hear people say, well, because it's art, it must be okay. Well, again, let's throw in the example. What if a horribly atrocious serial killer decides to create art from their atrocities? Would people go out of their way to watch or see that art? Well, again, everyone's going to draw that line somewhere. It is a moral standard. Some of us just simply draw it at a different point. Marriage and relationships. Well, this is an interesting dilemma when it comes to morals because sometimes we don't think of this because a lot of things related to marriage are based off of law and who can actually perform them, um, how many you can be married to, who or what can you be married to, and so on and so forth. But I would definitely say that this falls in the category of right or wrong and therefore it has to have a moral basis. Um, some of that comes from religion. In fact, I'd go so far as to say marriage in and of itself has its basis in religion. But, um, but any type of relationship, specifically when it comes to intimate relationships, there's definitely a moral foundation there. Language. So the vast majority, if not all cultures, languages, and countries have vulgarities. Um, even in, go back to the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Um, these, you know, we refer to as swear words. Language is definitely a place of morality. For people who, who swing and use a lot of vulgarities, their threshold for that morality is just simply different or, you know, that moral line than other people. Our dress how we appear in private or in public, that is definitely a thing of morality. Uh, there, there's this thought sometimes where I should be able to dress who and what and how I wish. Everyone else should just simply respect me, which simply means that we're imposing our morals on other people, um, which is in and of itself not right. But the point here is how we choose to represent ourselves is a moral standard, is a right or wrong, because it is how we want people to see us. Um, and then how we treat others. Oh, this is a huge, huge uh, element of, of morals, how we treat and how we see others. Uh, racism comes to mind and other types of bigotry. Um, anytime we disrespect another human for any reason, culture, race, uh, background, beliefs, um, attitudes, anytime we disrespect a person, we have crossed a moral line of some kind. Uh, every, again, every, every person has their different moral boundaries, but that is fundamentally what it comes down to. 
uh, religion. Now, religion is an interesting one because in a lot of cases, the religions influence the morals of the people, the individual, or the culture. And in some cases, it's actually the other way around. Um, I spent a significant amount of time in uh, the southern states of the United States, so the Alabama, Florida area. And that is part of what's referred to as the Bible Belt, a lot of Protestant religions, meaning a lot of religions that at one point in time stemmed from Catholicism or, or the Catholics. And there was some churches down there that really spawned from the way people felt, their morals, and the religion came from that. Again, I'm not necessarily saying that's good or bad, but it is another reflection of where we use morals. What we eat and what we drink. This is another interesting thing. Um, let's look at like smoking and alcohol. Are these things good or bad for you? Well, science has come out and says, yeah, smoking is bad. So fine, we'll put that out of the category. But drinking, there's a lot of, of uh, different attitudes when it comes to uh, uh, alcohol or when it comes to caffeine and other things like that, where science has said, yeah, in some cases it's good. Maybe in some cases it's bad. Maybe moderation, it's okay. And it's going to go back and forth like the egg. Sometimes the egg's healthy and sometimes it's not. Science is continuously growing. This definitely falls in the category of right or wrong. There are people like myself who get easily addicted to things. And I would, I would argue that regardless of whether science says it is good or bad, from a morality standpoint, it would be bad for me to begin drinking alcohol because I would become an alcoholic and I would be a bad person. It would be bad all the way around. So that is something to consider. Um, driving, how we treat other people while we're driving. Oh, that person in front of me is driving too slow, so I'm going to ride their tail. Oh, it's going to make them mad. Well, that's how you're treating them. That is another morality. An interesting one is how we spend our money. Do we spend our money on frivolity? Do we spend our money on things that are individually degrading or or degrading for others? Um, do we spend our money on things like helping the poor? I'm not saying every penny we need to spend needs to be something on charity, but how we choose to spend our money is a decision of right or wrong often, and so therefore I would put it in the category of our morals. How we treat ourselves is definitely a category of how we uh, of morals. And this goes from you know piercings to tattoos to are, are we trying to be healthy? Not everyone is the same. And we all have our own unique struggles. But a lot of these decisions come down to our morals, right or wrong. All right, so let's step away from when they're used, which I would argue is far more often than not, and talk a little bit about their importance. How important are morals? Well, they're a guide. They're a fundamental guide for helping us to get through life. Because if we had an absence of morals, then our lives would be driven entirely on instinct. Maybe based off of purely our emotions. The scriptures refer to this as the natural man. And that scares me. Which is why I think morals are such a, uh, I would go so far as to say, a godly or potentially godly attribute. To be able to see right or wrong, and make decisions based off of our experiences, our wisdom, our moral standards, etc. Um, circular, they're a guide to our laws and our cultures and back. So as I mentioned before, the source of some of our morals come from religion, come from the laws, but sometimes our morals uh, influence those, specifically the laws of the land. They establish the core of our being, our heart, 
When we talk about we don't want to change who and what we are, well, a very core fundamental part of who and what we are is our morals. And I would hope that as we gain experience, we gain knowledge, and we gain understanding, our morals should evolve, and therefore we should change. Um, That should be our desire. I mean, if our goal is to achieve eternal joy, then we're not going to get there in the state we're in now. We've got to change, and our morals are part of that equation. It helps us to measure our growth. When the moral standards of a society, a culture, an individual begin to degrade, um, it leads to things like racism and bigotry, wars, and so on and so forth, because it's hard to fight a person that you have absolute respect for. Um, So ponder that. What if the one thing we needed to be perfect, to be like the master, was morals? Again, morals are unique to humans. And if our desire is to be like the master and the master's desire is for us to be like us, then we need to work on our morals. Should they change over time? I think we've established that. The answer is yes, they absolutely must change over time. The question is, is what direction are they changing? Is morals the last stop? Are they the starting point or are they part of the journey? This is something I've waffled with quite a bit. At first, I thought they were a starting point that led to something. And then I thought, well, maybe they're the journey. I would argue that our morals are very much like faith. They're an eternal principle, and they are something that are with us forever. The difference is between it and most other things is that they grow and grow and continue to progress as we do, or should, and in turn, they can continue to regress as we do. What do morals lack? This is something that I think very few of us, including myself until recently, have really considered. What is one fundamental principle that morals lack? Something that defines right or wrong, but lacks something so crucial. And that is simply this. They lack consequences. Yeah, we may feel bad. That's fine and all. We may feel good. That's fine and all. But at the end of the day, Whether we have morals or we throw them out, there is no external consequence for that outside of what we impose on ourselves. Morals lack consequences. Now, we will talk more about that later because that's not to say our actions or even our thoughts don't have consequences, but morals as a principle, as the basis for understanding right or wrong, have by their own right no consequences. So it is very important to not think of them as the end of the journey. I would argue they cannot be the end of the journey, but they are part of a companionship with something that we will talk about actually in the next episode. Should all morals be the same? Now, this is a fascinating conversation. This one goes back to a lot of what people view of, I don't want to be the sheep, or I want to be unique, or I want to stand out. Um, so let's let's talk about a couple of things. One is, this actually goes back to the uh, university conversation that we had a few episodes ago, where the idea is, is that if the master only has one university to establish one, uh, you know, one topic, or as, you know, the analogy goes, one church to establish one gospel, can there be many morals? I would argue the answer is no. There really can only be one Uh, one absolute moral, which sounds insane, but I'm going to argue that it is actually stated in the scriptures, but perhaps not in so many words. 
In the Bible, in the New Testament, in John chapter 10, verse 30, it says, I, referring to Jesus Christ, and my Father are one. Okay, well, that's a little ambiguous. Um, ironically, rather specific as well, but uh, in our context, it's a little ambiguous. So then let's refer to John chapter 17, verse 22. And this is what it says. And the glory which thou gavest me, meaning Jesus Christ referring to heavenly father, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. Now, I don't want to break this scripture down much. I would rather you think about that meaning of one. Does that mean heavenly father and Jesus Christ are so absolutely the same that they cannot be told apart? Are they still unique individuals, but still have the same something that makes them one? Why be one? Why would that be so important? Why would that be so good? How can this be a sign of a good society? Well, if we look at the world today, where we're constantly at war in each other's throats and disagreements and other negativity, the less we are at one, the worse things are. So let's go back to the topic of an earlier podcast, about three podcasts ago, where we talked about why did Jesus Christ have to be the one to do the atonement? Let me pose another question. What if Christ was the only one who could be the master, the only one who could own the church for all intents and purposes, the only one who could do the atonement because he had perfect morals? If the master desires us to have eternal joy and to get that, we need to be like him. Should not our goal to have perfect morals too? Ponder that. This is an extremely long episode. At this point, I'm going to end here. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that this opens your minds and helps you to ask questions. Questions are good. Hopefully, they lead you to the answers that will guide you to eternal joy. Thanks again for listening. Smile, be happy, and remember that you're worth it.